listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. It's time for our New Hampshire Business Update with Jeff Feingold, editor of the New Hampshire Business Review. Get more from them at nhbr.com. He joins the show every other week, Mondays in the 6 a.m. hour. So let's start off with a, this is really uh, interesting slash exciting, honestly. Uh, it looks like the guy from Convenient MD who founded that company is looking to extend into specialties. And, and that's really, it's really interesting to see happen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, Max Pionic, he's uh, he's he, he's the fa- founder of Convenient MD, which I think is pretty familiar for most people because it's become pretty ubiquitous around the, these parts. These urgent care centers, they, they were at the frontier of that in, in New Hampshire. And he and his partner have come up with another idea. Looking, They were looking, they're obviously very entrepreneurial types. They're looking for opportunities in the healthcare space. And they came upon the idea that they realized that dermatology is something that's very, it, there's, there's limited access to dermatologists in New Hampshire because it's not as, there's not that many of them. And in many cases, you're, you're waiting for a long time for an initial uh, appointment. And uh, because of that, they came up with this idea, open up similar model to the convenient MD ones, where they'll be basically uh, walk-in uh, clinics, basically, for uh, dermatology. They'll be called Optima Dermatology. And they're going to open up the first one in Exeter, actually only temporarily, because it's going to be eventually open up a, a, a fancy one, which will be the model for all the other uh, 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 clinics they open in the future. And that's one's going to be in Stratum. But they plan to make open up seven of them at the start in New Hampshire and, more, and, and in Maine, which is where they started Convenient MD, both the Convenient MD uh, uh, branches. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. They, they have, uh, you know, a business plan that says this is something that's going to be successful. My question but I'm sure they they know they have an answer for it. Is you know since it's hard to get dermatologists to come to New Hampshire, how you got to get them to come now? But yeah, it doesn't uh, necessarily I'm, fix that inherent employment problem where yeah. there's not enough workers. I mean, it's the specialties are, are really hard to get someone. Like there's yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why it's a, it's an opportunity, but it's also going to be difficult. But then again, you could say the same thing about uh, you know. You know, doctors who just work in these convenient MDs, they obviously. Well, the thing is with those, the opportunity you, can, you can get a physician's assistant or an RN. So this the thing is with the, with a specialty is you can get some of that in there, but it seems I don't think it's as common for you to have a physician's assistant that's specialized in that same way. Like general practice, like you're sick, <coughs> yeah. a nurse or someone can check you out. With dermatology, it's, it's very interesting, and I, I wonder how much like technology can assist with the. Uh, with the ability to maybe remote people in or things like that. Cause it's, um, I, th- I think definitely- they, ha- I think they have their eye on technology. I also think they have the idea that because there's so limited access to the initial, uh, dermato- dermatologic appointments that you can, you can get a, uh, a point you, you can get, you know, a physician's assistant perhaps, but also, uh, uh a dermatologist to look at something that's not going to be like the high end, the high cost, high end uh, visit, but it's still going to be uh, enough for people who haven't been able to see a dermatologist. It's like going to the dentist in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, you, many people need to go, but they don't always do it. And this makes an easier way to, to get the access to one. Yeah. From a preventative medicine standpoint, I mean, to, to have the ability to 
uh, either walk in or schedule an appointment just within a couple of weeks for, say, you got a mole or something you're not exactly. sure of. I mean, that's the big thing. If you catch skin cancer early, it's so much easier to get rid of then. Exactly. I mean, and, that, and that's and, and skin cancer is is, is uh, becoming more and more of a problem. And, uh, you know, this is something that I, I think, you know, I, it's not it's not in the article, but I'm assuming, you know, he's picking Maine and New Hampshire because we have two of the oldest populations, you know, average population age populations in the country. And this is a concern as you get older. And uh, this is a way for, you, for them to capture that market uh, in a pretty it's a pretty simple uh, it's obviously it's a it's it's an idea that works when it comes to urgent care you know whether it works for for skin can skin care i don't know for dermatology i don't know but it does they have been proven successful in the urgent care model so i don't I see mean, what that- it wouldn't be now they totally disrupted the urgent care model, and at least in New England. I mean, it to yeah. I can't like we also used to always have to just go to the hospital and hope their urgent care hours are open. And you could find their website. These hospitals don't necessarily always have the best up to date websites in the world. And ConvenientMD, it shows right up in Google when it is. It's yeah. their rates for things like X-rays and such are so much cheaper. Like mm. if like minute clinics are kind of nice which is cvs's thing they have those are the two i've got personal experience with but i the quality the quality of care i haven't found as being quite as nice because they have such limited resources there you go to a convenient md office it's a full-fledged doctor's office with urgent care assistance they if you end up they have no problem sending you off to the emergency room if they feel like there's a need for that and they uh it's been very successful. I mean, they've they're all over the place now. No, they absolutely. You know, actually, it's interesting because two of the more successful ones in this part of the in this part of the uh, country are, are Convenient MD and Clear Choice MD, mm. and they're both based in New Hampshire. Clear Choice is based over in New London, and Convenient MD is based over towards the seacoast. And uh, I find that very interesting. That that you know, that's these both uh, pretty successful models for that. Yeah, as long as they keep the quality up, I mean that's the big thing that uh, they're going to get hammered on. Is if the the quality of care is isn't good, it seems like they've had a good track record so far with Convenient MD and yeah. the the insurance providers, the payers seem to be pretty happy with the model too. Because uh, or they struck some really good deals. It's like personally through through like my I've been on a couple different providers and visited Convenient MD, and it's just been a specialist uh, copay. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see also from the specialty health perspective that uh, if there's other branches that are that are worthwhile for something like this to happen, the advantage of dermatology is you also have the cosmetic side. So there's net there's an ever flowing yes. r- range of uh, teenagers with acne and people in their 20s that the acne won't go away that now have a con- a, a lot more convenient huh, uh, way of getting. Uh, no, and, and, yeah, and and, I, and that's not usually not like. Uh, high-end diagnosis or anything you know it's mostly in those cases an acne is a prescription or something like that and uh you know that that's something that's very doable Mm -hmm. at 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 the uh you know that that model of the urgent care model moving over to another industry in the state is you your uh, new hampshire bullet new hampshire business review wrote an article on uh push towards fixing the skilled labor shortage that's going on in the state yeah, this is an interesting thing. Is this guy named Steve Turner? He owns a uh, a company called Turner's Upholsteries over in Rye, and he took his become like it's become his mission. And and I, I don't think I'm using too strong a word to uh, what he says. He has an organization called Bring Back the Trades, and what it is is basically a, uh, a 
an effort to he go, he goes he goes all over the year. He does he does talk, speaks around the speaks around the country. He has a website, goes on social media. He's on you know does anybody who wants him on a podcast? will have him on a video on yours. <laughs> AJ, I'm sure if you asked him. And he his his mission is basically something. He just woke up one day basically, and he decided you know we need to get a skilled labor force again. You know we we there's there's such a lack of there's such a need for for tradespeople in uh, in so many uh, uh, industries. You know most notably construction, but you know people who are auto mechanics and 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 others of that nature. And he goes around to schools and tries his best to. Uh, talk to uh, guidance counselors and teachers and get them to send a message to the students that they can actually get a really good career and, you know, basically a lifetime career if they want it, high, very well paying uh, by going into the trades because students nowadays, kids nowadays, apparently they just don't seem to be because it's, you know, in the business review, we've been writing about this need for uh, tradespeople in uh, in the construction industry in particular. Oh, I'd say for about fifteen to twenty years, it's yeah. been just it's been getting worse and worse. And now, as the uh, tradespeople age out, when they they're in their sixties now, a lot of them, and you know, there's just so much. So there's just so long you get you, you could be a plumber on your knees, you know, working on sinks and you know installing things. That you know, eventually you just kind of start to get. You know, your body just doesn't do it anymore. So it's it's a really it is it is an opportunity that I think a lot of young people don't understand or don't aren't aware of, and aren't aware that in many cases company businesses will 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 pay for their education. Will give them a you know an apprenticeship or you know, help them learn on the on the job, work their way up. And uh, you know in, in once once you do get that job. Uh, you can ask anybody. I mean, it's really it's it's hard work, but it's also very very well compensated. And as I as I mentioned to many people, it also can't be offshore. I mean, if you if you right. have a link if you have a leak in your in your sink, <laughs> in your you know in in your pipes, you can't go to uh, another country to get someone to come over and do it for you. Yeah, and you're you're 15 to 20 uh, years where this you've really noticed this shortage coming down the pike here, and or been that entire time for that matter. Uh, maps directly to my experience. I'm I'm 34 years old, I'm almost 35, and we were all pushed to to go to the the four the four year model for mm-hmm. college education. It, I I saw it burn so many people like it was not something that was right for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they ended up taking out just student debt for a career they didn't want, or and the, but the parents kind of said in the the K through twelve education system, in my opinion, pushed them that way too. And I can speak. Uh, I feel like I can speak a little better on it now because my full time job is with the university. But the college, the community college system is merging with them, so I feel like I'm. I can say whatever I want now. The community college system needs more students in it and needs more resources because I think that's really important to. I mean, the ability to just start your own business too. It's yeah. like not being able to offshore, but also the ability to have an independent pride and in this is my business and I get to work for myself. I get to have my own roster of clients and things like that oh absolutely and that that's that's the thing you know a lot of praise people going into business themselves but the others are still very successful working for a big construction yeah. company or whatever you know you know just being a contractor for another company and and uh i agree with you on that my wife was a, a social uh, a high school teacher for uh 
about 35 years. Well, she was a pu- public school teacher, but for about 15, seven, 17 or so of those years, she was a high school teacher. And uh, I was always amazed how there were students who really, they, ju- they didn't even want to go to college, but they were just told they had to go. Yeah. And there was no, there was no real reason. There was no, there was no effort to convince, to talk them into going into something like going to learn a skill, learn a trade. Uh, and, and it's not, it's, it's not, it has actually has not paid off in any benefits to the students or to the industries that need people who don't have, who, you know, who, who have the skills. So, you know, the, uh, in the long run, this is something it's, it, this is like, uh, we're coming to pay the we're paying the piper right now for all those years of of convincing people that four year college is the only way to go, and it's not the only way to go. And I I mean I grew up in in New York City and they had different high schools that were tracks for different people and you know there were you know you'd have uh, high schools where they would be training you to be a car mechanic or or, or uh, you know a plumber or an electrician. That's what the high school's jobs were to do, but uh, it's not the same anymore at all. Not like yeah, that at all. it seems like it's been um, kind of scorned, uh, unfortunately. To at least in, in my personal experience, this is totally anecdotal. I'm not going off of any stats or anything yeah. like that. I feel like I feel like it was, it was kind of scorned if the if the high schools put too much too much emphasis on on these trades and having the tech programs that were uh, alongside it. And but on the other hand, I don't feel like there there were proper resources to really know what you were getting into when you went to undergrad. Like. I had no idea on any any of the stuff I do now in my job. I had no idea about in high school. Like I didn't know this was an option. I didn't know I could just hop, no. hop on and get involved with a radio station. Really, as I grew up in rural Maine, I mean, where was I going to find out about that? We didn't have yeah. a, co- a high school TV station or anything like that. And um, no. it, it's I, I f- those I feel like those high school resources really need to be uh, well, yeah. addressed. But that, that's but that's I think that. To me, that's a separate issue because that's about the resources that the school districts have. Yeah, you know, totally. I'm, I'm sure that if a school district had the resources, they they do have that. But it's so difficult, you know, especially with the model we have, you know, based on property taxes that, you know, yet you, it's the community is limited to what it can provide in the schools. But that's I think that's another matter. But I do agree with you on that. It, it's something that, you know, everybody, every every kid should have an opportunity to uh, have access to. So uh, you, you brought this up right before we went on. So we, if we run out of time, do you have another thing you want to hit? And you've brought up <laughs> cannabis in the workplace. And I'm like, yes. So what, what are you talking about, Jeff? No, that's, yeah, it's, it sounds sexier than it, well, it sounds more uh, illicit than it is. <laughs> it's, it's, we have an article that we, that we uh, just posted on our website by an attorney at, uh, she, at uh, she and Finney Law Firm writing about a relatively recent New Hampshire Supreme Court ruling where the Supreme Court ruled in favor of a, uh, a, an employee who was lost his job because he had had, he was suffering PTSD, he had a, he had a prescribed uh, knee, uh, a, pres- a prescription for uh, therapeutic can- cannabis, you know, and uh, he told his employer about this and told the employer, I'm not doing it on the job. It's just, I'm letting you know I'm doing this because I, I want a waiver from the drug test that you brought. This, com- mm-hmm. this company had a drug test. They said no. And they said, you know, you can't work here anymore. And uh, previously, it was within their right, basically. It seemed to be that was in their right 
to say, you know, no, you, we, this is a job where you, you can't have be on drugs and this, this is not, it's not acceptable. Well, he, he sued and the court ended up ruling in his favor, basically saying, you know, this, this is, this is an approved uh, medication by, uh, by the state of New Hampshire. The state says you, you can, you can use cannabis as, as, as a therapeutic uh, drug, you know, it's, it's prescribed, it's within limits and all that stuff. And uh, they said, you know, this is this is something that, you know, that it's it, it, they didn't say you can use it on the job. Mm-hmm. They didn't say you can use just go over and smoke some weed, you know, at lunchtime or anything like that. It's going to it's obviously if you have a, if you have a doctor's prescription, if you're on in, in the program, you know, that, you know, you have the card and all that. But it, but it does open up a whole thing for for employers because employers had had until uh, just this ruling basically had uh more, uh, you know, of a, of a, of a leeway in saying, well, if, if you're on mar- therapeutic cannabis, we don't want you, you don't read the rules, which is interesting in terms of the workforce shortage, but that's another matter. But, uh, it's, I'm it's, shocked uh, they made it this long. I, I mean, I, if it's a medication, it's, they can't fire someone for, for taking, uh, pain relievers, whether it's yeah. opioid or otherwise, as long as they're not impaired when they're working. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I but I think that part of the problem was that because this particular company has, and I, I know, and the company, you know, it's pretty well known. Uh, they had a uh, a policy where they were drug testing because they didn't want they didn't want uh, people on a job who were using drugs or whatever. And uh, the pro- the thing was that this employee had to ask for a waiver from the test. So the you know, argument to be well, okay, if you have a way from the test, you know, we, we're not, we'll never know, you know, maybe you are coming in high, I don't know, but you know, you know what I mean? It's, I think from the employer's perspective, I think they were concerned about this, concerned about something like that mm-hmm. in general, an abstract employer, not this particular employer, but an abstract employer would be concerned about something like that. But this is what the Supreme Court has said, and, and, and it makes a lot of sense on the level of that it is legal. We have voted, to, we, we have approved the legalized, we have a, you know, it's in statute in New Hampshire. So it's, it is like you say, it, it's interesting that it took this long to get this ruling because it's obviously something that people can do in New Hampshire. They, they do it in their home. And uh, it's, uh, it's a very, uh, it's widely used at, for, for that purpose. And uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting that it did, like you said, it, it's taken this long to come up with this ruling. Yeah, it'll be this. This is like an added side effect of if decriminalization or legalization happens in the state, what it's going to look like for the legal system. Because, oh boy, there will be a lot more lawsuits like this going forward. If if I had imagined, especially in uh, places where they're working with vehicles or heavy equipment yes, and such. So. Exactly, and there's going to be limits on that kind of stuff too. That's that's a very very good point, and you know, and this is, but you know, it's that's true. If if you're on painkillers, yeah, for whatever you have a back problem, you'll you could still be. You know, maybe theoretically working on heavy equipment. That's not mm-hmm. that's not something you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You take a Benadryl and it says don't operate heavy equipment when you take a Benadryl. <laughs> take a Benadryl. I'm lucky I'm able to make it out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Feingold, the New Hampshire Business Review. Thanks so much for joining me. It was great talking with you, AJ. You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll be right back. <laughs> 